0: Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. If you are a professional that's looking to land your next job opportunity or is looking for career advice to get their career to the next level then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan, where I post daily content to provide advice on the job search and your career to get your career to where you want to be. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. Or you can go on Facebook and type in my Facebook group name, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan, and join that way. In last week's episode, I spoke with Alyssa Fedko about her successful career pivot from being in a non technical role starting out her career as an office manager to a data scientist. And the one thing that she brought up was that she knew that if she wanted to grow her career, she could not stick with improving her technical skills. She needs to develop her soft skills and build her leadership skills to get to the next level. Which brings me to the introduction of this week's episode titled, How to Accelerate Your Career Through Leadership. And I have invited career coach Danielle Kobo to help discuss and provide strategies and insights on how you can develop your leadership skills to get your career to the next level. So a little bit about Danielle before we get started. She has gone from clothes stored in trash bags to leading a team for a Fortune 500 company with no previous management experience. She spent 15 years in medical sales earning four back-to-back president circles as an individual contributor and led the historically poorest performing sales team to number one in the nation within two years. Since then, she has taught thousands of people how to do the same in their career acceleration, sales performance, and company culture so they discover their vision, recognize the power within, and create the life they desire. Now let's get into my discussion with Danielle on how to accelerate your career through leadership. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So I brought you on today as a guest because a lot of professionals, they want to get to the next level of their career, whether it's going from an individual contributor to a more senior type of position or going from an individual contributor to a management position or management to director VP. The one underlying skill that when it comes to moving up the corporate ladder, especially when you go higher up in the process is leadership being able to lead teams and lead projects effectively will really help you stand out and become a high value individual in an organization. However, when you look at job ads, they're just saying, for example, five to 10 plus years of leadership experience or leading a team, but that's still fairly broad. So I wanted to bring you on today, just discuss more in depth in terms of what type of leadership qualities, whether it's the technical or the intangibles that companies are looking for to promote these types of individuals.
1: Well, that's an excellent topic because yes, oftentimes people, when they see these job descriptions, you know, intrigue them. Oftentimes their dream job will come up and they start to look through these qualifications. And often what I see is they start to disqualify themselves before they even qualify themselves. And so what happens is, is they'll start to think, you know, I don't have industry experience, or I don't have the right certifications, or I'm too old, or I'm too young. And oftentimes, these, I, I call them limiting beliefs, these self-doubts, is really what prevents people from either applying the jobs they want to apply to, or really stepping into new roles that maybe they may not have even considered previously. And You know, that can be a big challenge when it comes to wanting to accelerate your career and not always knowing how to navigate through it. And it really comes down to understanding your value. And you talked a little bit about, you know, whether companies are looking at hiring the skill sets or the intangible characteristics. And one of the things I always say to clients is people hire people, not resumes. Where people get stuck sometimes is they'll go to apply to jobs online and the challenge is 80% of jobs aren't even posted online. And then the ones that are, each job uh, posting on average receives about 250 applicants. And then to take it a step further, there's what's called an artificial intelligence filtering system that basically reads reads through... (laughs) Applications And so it can be really challenging when you're spending hours applying in, in, to jobs online and then hearing crickets or receiving that automated generated email from HR saying we chose somebody else. And experiencing that over and over and over again is really what creates that self-doubt throughout that time period where some people will look at jobs and they won't apply because they go, oh, well, I don't check the box.
0: That's a good point that you brought up where people disqualify themselves before they even apply. When I work with professionals or talk to professionals in the job market, I always tell them that a job ad is not the requirements, so to speak. Like Obviously, a good amount of the responsibilities and qualifications are necessary, but it is a wish list. So you don't need 100% of what they're looking for. You just need a good amount, right? So if you only have 67%, that's still good enough to apply.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, and here's the thing. What's the worst is if you apply and don't get the job, I mean, that's the worst thing that can happen. But it is it's an outline of what they're looking for. But one of the things when I was a hiring manager is I always look for the three T's. And so when I was, I was a sales leader, and the three T's for me were the territory and knowing that, and oftentimes these job descriptions will say, I want three to five years uh, sales experience. But you know each territory is different, and depending on the the greenness of that territory is an emerging territory, is it a territory that has key opinion leaders. I look at what are the immediate needs of that particular job, that particular role, and is there an opportunity to maybe not have somebody that has as many years of sales experience, however they have those. That drive and that motivation, they have those intangible characteristics. And sometimes in those situations, getting somebody on board that maybe is a little bit greener, but they have that willingness to learn in comparison to somebody who's been in the role for a really long time and kind of has some old habits or gets at that mindset of, well, that's not the way I've oh, always done it, you know, and in key strategic initiatives change. So looking at what are the needs of the territory in sales outside sales, and then also looking at what are the needs of the team, you know, and, and really looking at the comp- or the culture of the team and knowing that you don't want everybody to be the same. You know, there's, there's different times where you want people with different skill sets, and when I was leading a team for a sales company, our role was unique in the sense it was medical sales. But business acumen was really what we were looking for. And so having people with a social media background, having people who had in-office experience, having people that had a medical background, and really having a diverse team added a lot of value because we were able to create these centers of excellence where each person was the expert that we got to go to. And then the third T is time. And I always say, if, can I spend eight hours with that person? Would I enjoy the conversation? Because oftentimes we spend more time at work than we do at home. And it's important that we enjoy the, t- the people that we work with and the time that we spend with them.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. As a leader, when it comes to building teams, it's from my research you get the highest performing teams that are the most diverse, right? Because if it's all the same people, the same type of thinking, you tend to go in a specific direction and you don't have the other perspective.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you definitely want different skill sets and different expertise and everyone's coming together and learning from each other and growing when you have a diverse team. And then also too, I don't want everybody to be the same as me, right? I have a specific skill set to add value and I want to hire people that have expert skill sets and what they're at, and we get to learn from each other. Um, I think that sometimes you know a lot of managers go into and a lot of leaders go into a wall, and they go, "Well, I need to be the go-to for everything." And the reality is, a great leader hires really top talent in different skill sets, and as much as you're leading them, you're equally learning from them.
0: Exactly, and. I think a lot of people mistaken leadership as they have to know everything. I think leadership is about knowing who to go to and utilizing your team and resources to get the job done. Yes. So let's take a step back. So when there's a job ad that says leadership experience required for how many years that they want, what is the definition of leader? Like what are they looking for exactly?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So leadership can mean a lot of different things. And, and let me just bust down this myth for a second. <laughs> I know from a personal experience that I was interviewing for an individual contributor role uh, several years ago, and it was from one of my dream jobs. This is exactly what I wanted to do in sales, and I was interviewing for this position. It was a Fortune 500 company. I was interviewing as an outsider, and as I was interviewing for this company, I was presenting this business proposal. And and I'm going to kind of speak to two things on this. I was presenting a business proposal for a job that I wanted to create at a former company. And what the job was, was a national directors of sales team, because it was an opportunity where we were hiring on a lot of new hires. Our retention rate wasn't as great, and a lot of it had to do with the development of the people that we were bringing on. And so the role that I wanted to create was a way that we can accelerate the new hires and really invest in their development. And so the first thing is, is if a job doesn't exist, that's not a limitation. Look at the company that you're working with, and maybe there's an opportunity to create or develop the job. Um, They ended up creating that job after I left, um, because I was recruiting into a different company. But as as I'm presenting this business plan, this business proposal, you know, what I was showcasing was those leadership skills. It was drive, motivation initiative, um, looking at the business and strong business acumen and looking at where there's opportunities to grow and accelerate and the development of the team. And as I was interviewing for that position, the director looked at me and she says, have you thought about management? And I was like, "Yes, I want to be a manager, I also acknowledge that I don't have, you know, direct leadership experience. I had been a mentor, but I didn't have direct leadership experience. And I was interviewing as an outsider. And it was at that moment when I really learned and I would invite everybody to do the same is lean in because if that opportunity comes up, um, it's really just finding your courage within yourself to say, I can go for this opportunity. And if I don't get it, then that's okay. But at least you're really leaning into discomfort. Um, I ended up getting the job after a three-hour interview where I presented a SWOT analysis on how I was going to transform the poorest performing team um, and really that servant leadership. And not only did I get the job, I, within two years, led that team to number one in the nation. So, you know, while there's value in having that direct management experience, a direct leadership experience, know that everybody starts somewhere You know, everybody's gone and transitioned from individual contributor to a leader. It really starts with you investing in yourself and your development, as well as leading into discomfort and knowing that you get to take risks.
0: So you made a good point about you didn't actually have direct report management experience prior to landing that job. And I think a lot, I think the big issue is a lot of individual contributors that want to get management roles, they are getting shut down because they don't have that management experience. It's similar to, Uh, I have the education, but I don't have the experience. So what is some advice that you can provide these professionals that are stuck where they are as an individual contributor, but they want to get to the next level up, but they are getting rejected because they don't have the management experience yet?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. So there was a quote by um, Tara Frank, and she is the VP of Multicultural Diversity for Hallmark. And she said that people don't get promoted for doing their job well they get promoted for the potential that people see in them and what they're doing really well. And so it really goes into speaking to your own personal development. And your development is 90% on you and 10% on your manager. Your manager or your leader or your mentor can provide you guidance and recommendations on what skill sets to develop, it's up to you to develop those skill sets. And so A lot of the qualities and characteristics that they're looking in a leader is um, time management uh, initiative and, and leading. Can you translate that vision into reality with your team? And they're looking for somebody that can have radical candor with somebody, somebody that can have these direct conversations. However, knowing that they're leading the conversations, feeling connected and valued And it's really about, are you exemplifying those leadership skills as a servant leader? And that's all based off of what you display and your characteristics, not necessarily your successes. Because sometimes, especially in sales, sometimes the best performing individual contributors do not make the best managers because they're really good at what they're doing, but they're not people leaders. And then there's some people that, have had success as an individual contributor. However, they become exceptional leaders because it's just those personality characteristics that they have.
0: You brought up a term that I want to dive into, servant leadership. So the old school mentality of leadership is you direct people, but servant leadership, I believe, is you're serving your team, right? So can you elaborate more on this terminology?
1: Oh, yes. Okay, so servant leadership is really understanding what is the individuals on your team. And so one of the recommendations I do for anybody that's in a leadership position is sit down with your team, each individual person, and look at what's their individual development plan. And working with them, identifying, okay, so what are their three strengths and how can we continue to elevate them? How can we continue to showcase these strengths? With special projects that they're involved in. And then the next one is, is where is there two opportunities for growth? And among these two opportunities for growth, where can we align some, you know, courses or projects or podcasts or books or coaching on where we can develop those opportunities? And understanding where your team's three year goals are, five year goals are. And how can you support them in accelerating that? Because when your team feels that they're valued and that you are linking arms with them and supporting them in their development, that's part of servant leadership. It's knowing that your number one customer is your team. If you take good care, great care of your team, then they will take great care of of the customers of the organization. But my team will always come first. And and that's part of servant leadership. The other thing that I would say is with servant leadership is understanding each person's motivation. Everybody is motivated by something different. And there's a book called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And so some people are, they feel appreciated and they're motivated by words of affirmation. So telling them that they're doing a really great job and highlighting their successes in an email, maybe amongst the team, is how they feel appreciated and valued. Versus somebody else, um, maybe they feel valued by receiving a gift card, like a a card in the mail that says, hey, great job, you know, here, go treat yourself to a meal or, you know, something special, maybe it's like Norsham's gift card. but." That part of servant leadership is understanding not only what their individual development plan and, and aligning and supporting them through accelerating their career. It's also knowing how they feel valued and what motivates them.
0: That's a good point that you brought up because if you're a manager that is just directing their team and you don't have that good rapport, they're not going to go above and beyond for you compared to if you're serving them in a way that you're helping them do the best job, but giving them the right autonomy that they're taking ownership. And then at that point, they will actually want to work for you more than just what's required.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, when you're company culture, more and more people are leaving because of company culture. And when it comes to jobs, now employees are looking for company culture over money because we spend one third of our life working. And so it's important that we love what we do, who we work with. And a lot of that comes with the person that we directly uh, report to, and if we're not feeling valued, if we're not feeling appreciated, if we're not feeling like respected, then you're probably the employee retention rates probably going to be very high. Um, but when you transition that and you really understand what the motivations are of your team and, and understanding where they want to go and really linking arms with them and, and supporting them through that process. That's when you're going to notice that not only are you going to see the um, of your employees, they also can be your biggest referral of attracting new talent as well. Uh, if, if, if your company is known as being a great company to work for with the company culture and things along those lines... Then when it, when a position opens up, you may not even need to be in a position where you're recruiting because they're your biggest advocates.
0: That's a good point. Cause a lot of larger companies, they do have referral programs to encourage their employees to bring people that they know. However, like if the culture is not good and they don't plan to stick around, why would they want to bring a friend over? Right. And again, like you said, if you treat your people well, they'll take care of the company. And to add to that, it also saves a lot of money because when someone leaves, you have to spend months trying to find the right candidate, go through all the hiring process, assignments, case studies, all that. And then you have to train them. And I think the number, it it takes about an average of six months for someone to fully ramp up in a job. So that's so much time wasted in terms of finding the right candidate and then training them. So they're not even at a hundred percent capacity until like half the year has gone. So again, I think treating your employees right will increase retention. And then less attrition means more profitable company because you're not spending so much time like trying to find uh, new hires all the time.
1: Absolutely. So 74% of employees feel like they're not achieving their full potential because of a lack of development opportunities and, and really understanding the importance of investing in your employees. And so. If, if they're not feeling like they're being invested in, then there's an opportunity for them to leave. But like you said, if you have employees that are leaving, the cost of recruiting, the, the time taken away from the manager to interview is taken away from their team. The cost of bringing somebody on and that ramp up period, on average, if you look at some of the statistics out there, it can cost a company anywhere around $40,000 to bring on somebody new. And so when it comes to, do I invest, you know, some to bring somebody in and work with them could be $10,000, $15,000 to have somebody come in and do development with their team. But what could that look like if it's lowering your turnover rate of your, of your employees? It's extremely good investment to make.
0: So here's the situation in terms of the lack of learning opportunities. I think it goes to the professional. the only on them because I always believe that you are 100% in control of your career. But what I'm trying to get at is that a lot of these companies do, for example, pay for LinkedIn learning or have an educational allowance that you can use to better yourself. So there is that lack of uh, proactiveness from the professional, because they usually don't use these resources. So where's the disconnect between like the company's giving you all these resources to learn, but a good majority are not really taking that initiative to actually do it.
1: Ooh, that is a great question because that is either, it could be the individual in the fact that, you know, they say they want to accelerate their career, but are they actually taking the time to do that? And so that could be an individual thing. But a lot of these online courses are nice because it gives the option for people to take them at any given time. You know, I always say that my car has now become my university on wheels because I'm always listening to podcasts or LinkedIn learning courses. But there's something to be said about doing interactive courses. And, you know, when you look at the development and looking at retention of our own learning we gain the most when we're teaching back. So if you can get to a point where your employees, if you bring somebody in and they're teaching your employees and then it gets to a point where your employees are teaching you know, your own employees, then that's where they're gonna learn the most. That's where the biggest growth and development is going to be. And also that people want interaction. No one just wants to stare at a computer screen or just listen to something online. You know, they want something where they're speaking up and interacting and they're sharing ideas. And that's part of that team building environment as well, which goes into company culture. So, you know, yes, it's great. These companies offer these resources, but there's so much more when you can bring somebody in and make it a really interactive, fun, team building learning environment.
0: So the online courses is a good start, but in terms of really engaging employees, you want to have like seminars that they can attend to really coach them. So that's where the bread and butter is. And if you want them to take action and improve their performance.
1: Absolutely. And, and also to take that a step further is you can have somebody come in for seven, eight hours, which is great. But to take that a step further, if you're really going to be developing your employees and looking for a long-term change, it's going to be continuous. So some companies will have, you know, one day or two day workshop, and then all of a sudden they don't do anything for six months. But there's something you said about having an acceleration program. So you have your new hire training, then maybe you have training six months later, then you have an advanced course. And then what are you doing for your emerging leaders and, and part of that? And having continuous training throughout the year is going to keep things people grounded in their learning and making sure that what they're learning they're actually implementing because you know often we only really retain about 20 percent of what we hear and learn so that's why it's so important that we're continuously building on it you know especially when you're looking at changing a culture for example you know it's coming in and and doing and, and the nice thing is you can do virtual stuff too you know maybe you have somebody come in and you do uh, a full day or a couple days and then after that you maybe have them come in again or you do some virtual
0: training as well we we put the onus on the professional in terms of actually taking initiative to take these courses we discussed that the company should be doing more in terms of not just here's the online course portal review and learn at your leisure it's about like trying to also implement programs that professionals can join and then see how they're doing which leads me to my next question is that what's your opinion in terms of like companies roadmap to succession in terms of like promotional success because i think it's there's still this hidden secret of how to actually get promoted uh, at a company like people think like uh do good work and then build relationships but there's obviously a lot other things in there as well so do you think a lack of having a proper roadmap for these employees that want to improve is making these employees not want to actually take action to take these courses or take these seminars
1: yes you know, a lot of times people don't necessarily know how to navigate through um, the corporate ladder. And sometimes people just see the trajectory as like the next step up. There's so many different roles within an organization and knowing that sometimes accelerating your career is sometimes a lateral move, maybe to do a different division because you're expanding your skill sets in different ways. And so when a company can really provide trainings and workshops on the various roles and what is a day in the life look like in that role and exposing them to special projects and exposing them to a mentor in that role and exposing them to different skills that they get to learn to that accelerate to that next step that's part of that development and you know when people feel stuck and they don't have clarity on the career then what happens is they start to feel discouraged frustrated and what happens is then, you know, you miss out on really accelerating the talent, which is within your organization. And that, that can be priceless if you really understand, you know, the value of, of investing in your team and, and looking at the areas that you can expose them to different opportunities. So, you know, some companies, what they'll do is they'll have what's called like an emerging, emerging leaders program. And what they'll do is something along the lines of like a year program. And they, those individuals get exposed to special trainings. You know, a trainer will come in and do special workshops on leadership development skills and hiring and team building and things along those lines. And then branching off for those individuals that are in that, that special program and saying, okay, well, if you wanna be in a marketing role, for example, Well, then let's align you with a mentor that's in marketing. And maybe you guys have monthly calls and you get to talk about what are some special projects are going on. Also, having that person involved in special projects. How nice would it be to have an extra set of hands, you know, for the person in that marketing role, as well as you're then that person that wants to be in that role is being exposed to what a day in the life is like. And they're also already building those skill sets so that when the position opens up, it's a smoother transition.
0: Yeah. and, And speaking of opportunities. So when it comes to moving up in the corporate ladder, there's different types of qualities at each level that they're looking for. So from a leadership perspective, what's the leadership qualities they're looking for when it comes to going from individual to contributor to a manager? going from manager to director, director, to VP, VP, and so on. So is there, so in terms of like the leadership evaluation, what are the new things that you need to have as you start going up the ladder?
1: So when we talk about leadership, um, I don't think leadership is defined, defined by a title. You can be a leader in every role that you're at. I mean, there's some people that are leaders within the organization, and they have no desire to be people managers. And so, you know, Yes, there's different skill sets, but also knowing that a leader is just how you show up. Um, you know, when you think about going from an individual contributor to uh, a manager role, you're going to be you're going to be kind of that liaison between taking these key strategic initiatives that are coming out in the near future, and then translating that vision of what those key strategic initiatives into reality of what's going to be implemented and executed as you start to go up into a director role, you're now leading first level leaders. And so there's a little bit difference when it comes to the conversations, I would say the maturity sometimes in that sense. Um, But when you go to a director role, the higher you go up, the more forward thinking that you are. So maybe the VP of sales is going to be thinking about, okay, well, what are we going to be are we going to be acquiring new companies? Are we going to be going through corporate restructuring? Where is the budgeting going to look like? Where is the forecasting going to look like? And we're planning a little bit further in advance, maybe planning one, three, five years in advance. However, the and, and the flip side, the first level leaders, those managers aren't going to be thinking that far in advance. So the higher you go up, the more you're not only implementing the current, the further out you're looking as to where the direction of that company is going
0: to go. That's a good point. So the higher you go up in the company, the more forward thinking and more strategy that you have to incorporate compared to a first level manager where leadership might be managing the team and the short, let's say three to six month plan.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, a first level leader, you're probably looking three to six months out. You know, a director, you may be looking a year out. And then as you get to that VP level, I mean, you're you're making big decisions. Do you acquire a company? Do you restructure your sales force? Do you downsize? Do you increase? You're looking at budgeting. And budgeting goes into operating budget, not just what revenue is coming in, but what revenue are you then spending in the balance sheet of that. And then you're looking at, okay, how can we continue to be innovative you know, when it comes to looking at the marketplace and what the marketplace is projecting within the next three to five years. So it's definitely a lot more forward thinking the higher you go up.
0: So going back to what you originally said in terms of people don't promote people based off their experience, or if they can do a job that's based off their potential. So how can you showcase your potential as you start going up the ladder? So let's say you've been a director for a few years, how do you show your potential that you're ready for the VP level, as an example?
1: So that would be looking at um, how, what's your approach. You know, I always look at when the higher you go up, are you coming with solutions? Are you coming with creative and innovative ideas? And are you thinking of the big picture, too? Because you think about when you're an individual contributor, you know, you're thinking about your territory. When you're a manager, you're thinking about your team. When you're a director, you're thinking about maybe the couple managers and those individuals that you're, that you're leading. when you're looking into a vp role it's such a broader scale so thinking about not only any changes that are implemented within the organization how is it going to affect the current how is it also going to affect the future and and you're really thinking big picture the higher you go up as well
0: so as a leader regardless of what level you're at yes, you will have direct reports, but you're also going to be having to work with other leaders in the organization. So for example, if I'm a marketing director, there's a good chance I'll have to work with the operations director or sales director. So it goes back to that book, uh, Influencing Without Authority, right? So how as a leader, can you collaborate with other directors, other leaders in the organization to help you move your agenda?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Because it really starts with seeking to understand, understanding each divisions and, and what are the pain points? So if I'm meeting, if the sales manager is meeting with the marketing director, okay, so what's keeping up them up at night? What are the pain points? Where do they see the growth and potential of the organization? And then on the flip side, them understanding that as well. And coming together with going, okay, what do we see working? What do we not see working? And always anticipating two steps ahead. But the more that you understand the inner workings of each role and division and what some of those challenges are, that's when you really get to come together with solutions. And that's where collaboration comes in place. And when you're able to collaborate, that's when you're really able to move the needle forward. Um, so I, it really comes down to understanding and understanding, you know, each of the roles and how they how they all play into the same uh, part of the organization.
0: So throughout our conversation so far, it seems like the common themes when it comes to being a good leader is, again, managing your time, uh, communication, whether it's direct reports or other cross-functional leaders uh, in other departments, and just being solution Uh, oriented with a vision and being proactive in building your own abilities, as well as coaching and mentoring others.
1: Yes. And I would also add to that active listening, because, you know, oftentimes people will, you know, they come with a lot of ideas, but where you really see a great leader is when they can sit and listen to everybody's ideas in the room and look at, okay, how are these going to work How are the potential challenges with all of these ideas and coming together? Because, again, that's where it goes back to hiring the the right talent and going based off of uh, strengths hiring and hiring based off of strengths and character-based hiring. Because you don't want everybody to be the same as you. You really want to understand each person's strengths. And if, if you do that and you have a very diverse team, imagine the ideas that can come into play. And that's why it's so important to have active listening skills in those leadership type roles
0: yeah it seems like a, a lot of people don't really listen anymore it's more about like waiting for you to finish so they can talk so I, having active listening is a crucial uh, leadership skill for sure
1: yeah it definitely is and, and you're right i mean oftentimes we will we will listen to respond and so that's why it's beneficial you know for some people when they're very quick to respond they'll often talk a lot with their hands so i say sit on your hands and give yourself Be comfortable with the uncomfortable silence, because silence is when people are processing. Silence is when people are really taking those active listening skills that they've they've mastered, and then that's when they're coming up and formulating their response. So the more that you can be comfortable with the uncomfortable silence, that's when you really know that you're honing in on your active listening and communication skills.
0: That's a good point you make because everybody feels awkward with that silence. They want to get rid of the silence as soon as possible by throwing an answer, but it's okay to pause for a few moments before you articulate your answer, right?
1: Yeah. Even something as simple as, hey, you know what? That's a great question. Let me think about that for a second. Or, hey, uh, that's a great question. Can I ask a follow-up question and gain some clarity on what it is that they're looking for? Because sometimes we can make assumptions and what we think the question that idea is and so even something as simple as that just to kind of set the tone that there's going to be maybe, maybe be some silence can be a great way of leaning into that uh comfort of uncomfortable silence
0: so there's this saying, as you would probably be aware is that first impressions last right so if someone's listening right now and they've been in their role for a couple of years they've tried to move up and they're getting rejected is it time to look somewhere else or can it be salvaged uh, at their existing company to do a complete 180? Turn their impression of what people think of them around and be able to recover and still get promoted? it. So what's your thoughts on that?
1: That's really gonna depend on the organization. And so what I would say is if you're in that position where you wanna accelerate up, but you're feeling stuck, then look at the organization. Is the organization, are, are they really promoting within is there a lot of opportunities so a couple things is you know are you relocatable because if you're relocatable that's going to open up the doors to whether you're uh in your own company or maybe other companies the next is the company that you work for are you seeing a lot of promoting within are there a lot of job opportunities within the organization Or do you have some people that have been in that role for 15 years and they've got no desire to leave, then that may, you know, you may be limited on where you can go. And so that may be the case where you might be looking elsewhere. And that first impression, I would say, goes beyond not your your reputation, your brand is not only how you show up in person and What you say, more importantly, how you make people feel when you when you lead the conversation, your brand is also representation of what who you are online. And so 87% of recruiters use LinkedIn. So it's extremely important that if you're feeling stuck in your career and whether you're looking to get promoted within your own role or whether you might be considering roles outside of your organization. Having a strong brand presence on LinkedIn is going to give you the opportunity for jobs to be presented to you. You want to be in a position where you're attracting jobs. You know, I didn't, I was recruited. I had no intentions on leaving a company that I was with for five and a half years. A recruiter reached out to me and said, you you know, would you consider interviewing? And I was recruited into position. And that's exactly where you want to be. You want to be in a position where people are coming to you because of the reputation and the brand that you've created um, that represents who you are and your core values.
0: Great. And my last question to you to wrap up the episode is for you personally. So my podcast is about helping professionals overcome common career challenges and obstacles. So for you, what was one big leadership lesson that you've learned throughout your career that helped accelerate to where you are today?
1: I would say the biggest lesson that I've learned is first starting with believing in yourself. I think that, you know, a lot of times we can let self-doubt stand in the way of where we want to go. So each year I would write, I would create a vision board and looking at not only where I want to be in my personal life, my finances, my health, um, you know, different things along those lines, but also looking at where do I want to be in my career. So I knew that I wanted to earned president circle back-to-back as a top performer. And I ended up doing it four years back-to-back. I knew I wanted to be in a leadership position by 30 years old. So creating these really high stretch goals and identifying what they are and not letting that self-doubt get in the way of what other people's preconceived notions on what you can and cannot achieve and just putting that courage and confidence within yourself that you can break down any barrier when you put your mind to it, and when you also invest in your own development. You can't necessarily, if you're relying on other people to develop you, then you're going to limit yourself. You get to take ownership of your career and of your development, and whether you're taking courses within your organization, also look outside of your organization. Um, And, you know, partnering with career coaches and taking leadership development courses and taking LinkedIn learning courses. I mean, there's so many resources out there that, you know, again, it it comes down to what I've learned is overcome that self-doubt, transform it into confidence and courage and invest in yourself.
0: So we, we talked a bit more so about the practical skills and things that you need to do to become a good leader, but there's also that mindset component. And if you're not confident, it doesn't matter what type of strategies that we talk about in this episode, you're not going to do it. So how can someone rewire themselves to have more of that proactive and confident mindset?
1: I love this question because this is such a passion of mine. So when you're feeling stuck and you've got self doubt, it, it's really shifting that mind. When you shift your mind, it's priceless and the sky is the limit. And so one of the things I would invite people to do is in a room for like 30 minutes with no distractions, a quiet room with a plate, (laughs) and I'm going to say like a white porcelain plate, and you're going to start in the middle of this plate, and you're going to write down every negative thing you've told yourself, I'm not successful, I'm not smart, I'm not pretty, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm anything, I mean, anything that you can say, and everything, every negative thing that you've told yourself, and then, once you've filled up that plate, an entire plate of all of these negative thoughts, then go into a safe place. and then repeat, in a safe place. And have you ever experienced where, Max, have you ever experienced that where you've like hit a baseball with a baseball bat and you've, you've taken that bat and you've hit the ball so hard that it flies out in like a home run or out the sky? Do you remember that Power that that felt like, or maybe you did it with a golf club.
0: Or uh, I'll do another, uh, a more common example for me, bowling, right? Like you, you bowl a few strikes in a row, you feel good.
1: Yeah, you feel good. But you remember that like power behind it. And so take that same power where you're taking this plate of all these negative things you're telling yourself and with all force, literally throw it on the ground and let that plate shatter. Experience the feeling Experience the emotion, experience the visual of those limiting beliefs crashing. And then uh, take a piece of paper and two things. One would be take a piece of paper and write down every success milestone that you've accomplished in your career and celebrate them and share them with people because that builds confidence when you actually share your successes with other people. And the other thing is write down five affirmations that you get to tell yourself every morning. So one might be, um, I am successful and anything I do, I succeed at. I can accomplish anything that I want. I have the intangible characteristics to excel in my career. And write down five affirmations that you get to start your morning with. And know that it takes about 45 to 60 days to transform and change habits. And if you've been telling yourself these for years, it might take a little bit longer than that. But starting your day with reminding yourself of why the successes that you've had, but also telling yourself those those affirmations can really uh, transform that self-doubt into confidence.
0: Yeah. So this is not an overnight thing for anyone listening, right? It's about taking all the programming that you've built up over the years and slowly deprogramming yourself and the play exercise the affirmation exercise is a great way to start but again you have to do this consistently over time to get into the new programming that you want to use to become who you truly want to be and i think this is a great way to uh end our episode giving everybody a bit of homework in terms of wanting to pivot their career path to a more fruitful path. So how can people connect with you, Danielle, in terms of knowing more about what you do and how you can help them?
1: Oh, well, I'm definitely on LinkedIn and on LinkedIn, I share daily motivation. I share tips on expert tips on how to accelerate your career. And then also I'm on Facebook. So, um, at, uh, the Danielle Cobo also on Instagram. And then I actually, if you go to my website, daniellecobo.com, so it's C-O-B-O, I have an, a career acceleration workbook, which is a workbook on steps on how to accelerate your career, as well as some examples of those affirmations that you get to tell yourself.
0: Those are fantastic resources. So again, I uh, really appreciate the time, Danielle, and I hope you end up the year strong.
1: Thank you. You as well.
0: Thank you again to Danielle for sharing her insights and strategies on how to become a better leader in order to get your career to the next level. If you want to hear my own insights and thoughts on this episode, make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday on all popular podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Again, if you are a professional that is looking to get their career to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan, where I post daily content to provide advice on the job search and your career to get your career to where you want it to be. This is Chan with a Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.